JM in the AM. <clears throat> Thursday morning broadcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are live from our New Jersey studio. And today is Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura. Today is Yom HaZikaron L'Shoah V'Ligvura. Holocaust and Heroism Remembrance Day. Known as Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, today is observed in Israel as a day of commemoration for the six million murdered in the Holocaust. And it pays tribute to the Jewish resistance during that period of time as well. It's a national day of uh, memorial. The first one in Israel took place in 1951. It became law in 1959, and it's being held on the 27th of Nisan, unless the 27th of Nisan is too close to a Shabbos, in which case it's moved. But this year, of course, it is on the 27th of a Nisan. Um, Yom HaShoah opened last night in Israel at sundown in a state ceremony at Yad Vashem. And today, there are services and memorials and ceremonies being held at schools and military bases and other public and community organizations. Places of public entertainment are closed. Israeli television airs Holocaust documentaries. And uh, more low-key songs are played on the radio. Flags are flown at half-mast, and at 10 a.m. this morning in Israel, an air raid siren sounded throughout the country, and Israelis observed two minutes of solemn reflection. Almost everyone stops what they're doing, including motorists in their cars in the middle of the road, standing beside their vehicles in silence as the siren is sounded. Today is Yom HaShoah, and here at JM in the AM, we try to um, convey the feeling of the day, the spirit of the day, sadness of the day and the the need for the day and the later on in this broadcast we're going to be speaking with someone who can address just how uh, necessary a day like today is in the context of Jewish history we will um, we will start by uh commemorating this day with some of the slower selections, more meaningful selections that are appropriate for a day like today and continue with more as we proceed on this uh, Thursday morning broadcast, Yom HaShoah at JM in the AM.
Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Today is Yom HaShoah. A few years back, I had the uh, privilege of uh, speaking to Israel Stark, who authored a book about his experience during the Holocaust. I don't remember if this was uh, at the very end of my uh, stay at WFMU or toward the beginning of uh, becoming an old digital network, uh, but it was from a few years back, and I felt it was appropriate that we replay that interview this morning and get a perspective, as we have on most of the Yom HaShoahs that we've been on the air, a historical perspective from those who were there on the spot of what today means. My conversation with Israel Stark from a few years back on a JM and the AM Yom HaShoah here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is a profound honor to welcome Israel Stark to our airwaves. Israel Stark is the author of A Boy Named 68818. 
It is the gripping true life account of spiritual resistance and survival under horrific circumstances. Israel Srulik Stark was born outside Munkach in the former Czechoslovakia. At the age of 14, he was taken along with his family and community by the Nazis. He lived through four different death camps over the course of his internment until his liberation in 1945. The memoir recounts his life and experiences of Srulik Storch before, during, and after the events of the Shoah. This dramatic memoir is uniquely targeted to tweens as well as adults. The story speaks to the generation of today who may know little or nothing of the Holocaust era. It introduces the tragic events of the Holocaust to today's youth in order to pass on and preserve its lessons, ones which remain startlingly relevant to this day. And um, uh, the book available, of course, uh, everywhere. There is a website, a boy named 68818.com. Mr. Israel Stark, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Good morning, Reb Nachum. How uh, are you this morning? I am. I'm fine. I. I am. I am honored to have you on. Uh, in a. In a way, I. I find myself uh, uh, somewhat speechless uh, and not sure where to begin. Your story. I, I read the book. It is. It is uh, like many other accounts of those who survive. Just an. It it, it is unbelievable in that for our generation, and I'm sure for anybody who's lived through quote-unquote normal times, it is almost impossible to believe that one could go through what you went through. It's hard to believe enough that one could put you through what they put you through, but that you were able to survive. Answer your questions. Please. Uh, The first one I would like to express my heartfelt thanks to you for giving me this uh, opportunity to say a few words uh, on this uh, very important day of of Zichron, when we have to remember. And the second thing, uh, I would like to uh, give a shivach b'hoidoa to the Rebbeinu Shloylam, that he gave me the the, the years and the strength to be able to express my feelings and my experiences to so many young people of different ages, which I have been doing for the last 25 40 years, and uh, I really hope, and I hope to the Rebbeinu will continue to give me strength to do so, to carry on this important information that all the children and the grandchildren should learn about this this terrible time. Is it difficult for you to declare that publicly and to and to thank God publicly when I and other readers can relate? to this audience how much you lost and what was taken from you and how devastating all these episodes were in your early part of your life. Well, I, I just want to make an observation that it is certainly not on the Hummer to any, any uh, survivor that uh, there were so many others in, in the Mishpoch and so forth that also uh, lost so many loved ones and went through the same thing. But uh, everyone has his own, can write his own book, uh, because there are no uh, two experiences alike. So, that is true. What gets me, and I don't know if, uh, maybe I'm at an age where it's more, you know, it's more um, pronounced to me. What gets me is the adjustment that has to be made as every one of these transitions is taking place. For instance, 
at some point, and you and you and your family, and again, you were very young, so obviously the adults in the family, I'm sure, felt it more. But even you, as you write, you know, picked up the fact that there was something going on, that there was some unease in the community and in your family. Um, your family is feeling all this, and then all of a sudden, of course, you know, the, the soldiers show up at the door, decide to, you know, move into your house, and I'm not exaggerating, that's exactly what happened, Correct. At the Seder, when my father uh, recited Vahishi Yom Deuleinu, there were uh, several German officers in uh, just a doorway because they have uh, confiscated one of our rooms for, for their own use. And that was a few weeks before Pesach. And during the Seder, they, they happened to be in the next room while, while, while my father conducted the Seder. So uh, I think one can imagine the mood of the Seder that that my family was in at that moment. I, I, that's it. It's, it's so hard to imagine and so difficult to comprehend. Uh, how, how was anybody, especially the adults, able to sleep at night during that period? It must have been impossible. Well, as a young boy, I have, uh, you, you must, uh, you probably know that we did not have any radios, uh, or certainly there was no television at the time. Uh, I did get uh, some of my sisters uh, received certain magazines, uh, Hungarian magazines uh, and so forth, which I was able to read as a hater boy and uh, find out uh, basically what's going on in the world. Uh, and the second source of news, which was very important, was the mikveh. I used to uh, place myself in the side of the mikveh and every uh, time uh, sit there for uh, several hours and hear uh, every every yid came in with a, with a, with his own news uh, uh, flash and and what's going on in the world and also express his own opinion and I carried that with me and I carried it home. At some point, uh, your family is informed directly, you know, face-to-face, that they have an hour to pack up. You have an hour to pack up, whatever you want to take, and, and gather together at the shul for the next set of instructions, right? That is absolutely right. That, that was exactly on, on uh, I say, uh, 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 morning, the morning after Achron Shel Pesach. It was on Isri Chag. We still did not uh, get rid of the chomets of the, of the. I'm sorry of the of the kalem of the pesulikah kalem. There was no chomets in our house yet, and there was a knock on the door and informing us. Uh, first of all, they wanted to know if all the members of our family are present, and uh, the second command was, "We give you one hour to pack and, uh, and carry with you uh, to a certain place uh, for gathering." Uh, whatever you can pack. Uh, well, uh, can you imagine, or can you listeners imagine, Khalila, if they would have such a uh, a command to 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 leave their home and pack whatever they can in in one hour? What do you take? What do you pack? My mother did not have any fancy suitcases, and she had uh, taken a big sheet uh, uh, and started throwing in some articles of clothing and. And a few other articles that I was not aware of, and uh, and she packed, and we showed up where we were told to show up. And she encouraged your sisters to run to the forest, right? No, uh, she did not encourage my sisters. My sisters did this on their own, as they heard uh, this command being given at the front door. Uh, they opened up uh, the back window of our home, which we we were located next to a forest or or a very beautiful. Uh, 
area of uh, wooded area, and they have uh, gone out through the window. Uh, fortunately, I found out after liberation that my older sister had sense enough to instruct her younger ones to go back in and take out some uh, candlesticks in my father's becher and a few pieces of jewelry which she uh, managed to bury right under that window. They uh, go home, bury under that window, and I was not aware of it. I, in, after the war, she came back. They fortunately, uh, they also survived, and, and they uh, uh, found all that and, and uh, buried under that window. We still have uh, my father's becher today. I use it on, on the Yontif and on Shabbos and on special occasions. Yeah, I, I read that. I... I don't mean to jump ahead, but um, and and it is your two sisters who are your other family members who survived. If the key to your survival, let's just say for argument's sake, was was the fact that you were a good worker and valuable to the Nazis, and I know it's a lot more complicated than that, but but and and you were able to stay healthy relatively. If that was the what was the key to their survival? Was there a and I, I don't know I, I don't even know if, if it's something that they would want to share publicly. You'll have to tell me, but I, I was just curious. What was their road to freedom throughout this entire experience? Uh, the key to my survival, uh, I can give you in a very short uh, few few words, was Imunus Hashem. Uh, without that, uh, there probably would be would have been no uh, use to go on and and try to fight every day, or I should say, maybe every minute. Uh, it was like walking on a tightrope. You know, uh, any any little thing could could could. Uh, sort of kill you over uh, but uh, my basic Amuna uh, was based on Amuna Shashem the Rabbi still is our, our, our God and, and even though that there may have been Hester Ponim or, or I could not answer many many of my friends asked me how could you believe in the Rabbi how could you tell us to try and, and hold out and survive. Don't you see? Why don't you turn around and see right, what's going on right in the back of you? Uh, when I try to discourage this type of feeling because <clears throat> when somebody came to me with these tininess, I was uh, very, very discouraged that this person is giving up. And the giving up uh, was one of the causes uh, that many people uh, did not survive. And I asked about your sisters. Was that their was that their path to survival as well? Was well, it, was uh, they, it a... they had the same sorry, the same upbringing as I did. So consequently, I have never really discussed with them or never told me uh, what their thoughts were during those terrible uh, days. Uh, but I imagine they also had to have Imuna uh, to that eventually, uh, maybe just maybe we will be able to live through this ordeal. Uh, but they never told me really uh, exactly what has sustained them uh, during the, during these these days. The first train that you were put on was after that shul in Munkat, right? No, the first train they they took us, of course, uh, after we um, packed and showed up there. After a while, they made sure that everybody is present, so they took us to a ghetto, which was in in Munkat right. or at the outskirts of Munkat. It was a brick factory. Right. It was the college brick factory, and there were two of them in east side of Munkach, where they gathered uh, uh, those those unfortunate uh, people. And uh, of course, from there, I really don't recall exact time uh, that we were in the in the ghetto. But eventually, they told us that uh, we are going to some Hungarian farms for uh, do some farm work, and the families will stay together and loaded us up on the way to to Auschwitz. Right. 
and and before we get to that experience, uh, there 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 was someone you remember, a non-Jew who tried to who tried to give the people in there uh, food and water. Am I correct? There was. Uh, I don't remember that incident, but my sisters uh, were aware of it, and they arranged. Uh, that one of their uh, friends, uh, which was uh, a, a non-Jewish friend of theirs, uh, came to uh, uh, the ghetto and, and brought some food for us, uh, uh, which which was very much in need because, uh, as I said, it was the day after Pesach, and nobody uh, was able to bring along any food uh, right. with them uh, at, on that morning that we were taken away. Right. And, 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 of course, that was at the risk, I mean... the. the People risk their lives if they would do that, right? If they were found out, they would they would likely be uh, either. Well, not uh, so much in in Hungary or in our area. Uh, I think uh, then because uh, you have to realize that they did not have any more uh, the ability to to or the personnel, I should say, their 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 uh, uh, people that did the dirty work for them to enforce everything. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember quite clearly when they loaded us up in the trains, there was only two Hungarian gendarmes and one German officer present and, uh, on that entire operation. And, and can you imagine there were, there were probably uh, several thousand uh, fascists were loaded on, on this train, so uh, certainly there could have been a uh, very easily, we could have overcome them and run away, but, uh, but this is a different, uh, different shita, this is a different cedra. Uh, that nobody uh, nobody helped us and nobody encouraged us to do anything of that sort. Israel Stark is author of A Boy Named 68818. What can you tell us? I just think it's so important, aside from the curiosities, I just think it's so important that we get a perspective. It's something we just can't relate to. What can you tell us about those experiences on the trains, on the cattle cars? Well, the experience on the train was uh, since um, we were told that um, we were going to be heading towards uh, uh, some Hungarian uh, farms and do some farm work, and uh, we wanted to believe that. Of course, uh, just like we wanted to believe many other Shemurs that came through and, and Munkach uh, from some people that managed to, to come back with the, from the uh, working conscript, uh, conscripts from the Hungarian uh, uh, young people that they took for work in, in, instead of the army. And they have witnessed some of the uh, real terrible shitas in communist Podolsk in, in these most terrible areas. And, and a few people here, they managed to escape from there also, very few. And so I remember as a little boy, we, uh, these, these Shemurs came back to us, this news filtered through. But we, we just refused to believe it. Nobody wanted to believe it because it was so terrible. So basically, uh, so once the train started moving, uh, they lifted me up and they said, Sulik, uh, there was a little, uh, the only opening from the from the freight car was a little rectangular uh, window. And they, usually the train sh- slowed up and it passed the main uh, railroad station like Kosice and others. And says, why don't you read off to us uh, what uh, station that train is passing through? And uh, I did this several times. And of course, in every time it passed through a station, and I, the mood kept on changing in, in, that, in that freight car uh, because we realized that we are not going to any Hungarian farms at that yeah. point. 
in, inside the train? Are people crying? Are people praying? Are people unable to move? What, what is it like? Uh, yes, people were unable to move, but there was no there was no discussion. There was no crying. There was silence. But the silence in itself had an effect on you because uh, somehow uh, I don't know. Sometimes people say something which has an effect on, on, on another person. But here the silence had an effect on everybody. And just everybody for, was sitting with, with his or her thoughts. And uh, either say, tell him, or, or, uh, or, or um, contemplate it, uh, what the future will bring. But uh, nobody talked. The longest you were on a train was how long? I don't remember exactly, but it may have been uh, maybe two days or maybe two and a half days. And finally the train slowed up and, and they told me again, uh, Sulek, what do you see? And I, I also felt that uh, this is the end of the line because I looked out that little opening. And I reported to everybody in that freight car and I said, I see a big platforms with all types of, of, of bundles and, and, and suitcases and around that platform. And, uh, and sure enough, the train uh, pretty soon came to a halt and and uh, the the doors clang open, so to speak, and suddenly the, the fresh air uh, came in and, and, and enlivened us again. And the command was given Aussteigen. Uh, everybody got off. And uh, and but uh, I, my mother, uh, my mother uh, sort of uh, motioned to me, "Don't get off. Wait." And I waited. And and then the the rest is, uh, is 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 history, which which is in the book. I don't want to go in and take up yeah. much time. No, I understand, I, and I know what you're referring to in terms of that episode. Is that the last time you saw your mother? That is the last time I saw my mother. And the actual, because an officer actually separates both of you, right? Am I right that that an officer? Well, uh, it wasn't an officer. No, it was one of the prisoners. It was a young man in a striped suit who was in charge of the arrival of that transport. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, uh, someone in authority. Sure that everybody cleared out of the, right. of the of the freight cars. And, of course, my mother didn't because she started uh, putting on this clothing on me. Right. So, uh, finally, he came back and, and he uh, actually mounted the, the, the freight car and, and warned us to get off immediately. And he also issued the, the information to me at that time that uh, told me, Ingela, uh, he says, the alt bist du? And I says, I am, I'm Fersen. And he says, die bist nicht Fersen, die bist 18. Right. In other words, he asks you how old you are. You say 14. And he says to you, you're 18. He says, you're not 14. You are 18. Right. And I uh, argued with him. But finally, he looked at me and he says, Ingela, du frick mich nicht kein Kasches. Here, you don't ask any questions. If I tell you you're 18, you're 18, and I remember that and get off. So that, my father handed me the film, and he says, please hold on to these as long as you can. And uh, we uh, got off finally that freight car, and that was the last time I saw my mother. In, in a way, that uh, person of authority, whoever it was that was in charge of getting everyone off the train, in a way, he saved you, because if, if they would have known, or if you would have admitted to your real age, would it have been over for you? That is absolutely correct. In other words, no, not in a way, but he actually saved my life, because I've, he wouldn't have tipped me off. I remember when it came to the selection, I, I am not aware, I don't know whether it was Mengele, the famous Mengele Machshimoy, or, or some other, uh, some other, uh, 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 u
the question was, if my father was in front of me, and the question is, uh, wie alt bist du kannst du arbeiten? And, uh, of course, uh, everybody gave that answer, and then he motioned to go which direction to go. And uh, so my father uh, gave the answers, and then my turn came, and the first question was, wie alt bist du? And I had all this clothing on me, and, of course, I was also, as, as a boy, I was a tall boy. And um, and I said, ach, and he says, kannst du arbeiten? And I said, jawohl. So he motioned to me go in the same direction as my father. Wow. Which, of course, was the first saved my life. There's no doubt about it. And, of course, uh, starting at that moment after we got our uniform, so to speak, my my struggle for, for existence and my father's struggle for existence started. Yeah, it started that day. When was the last time you saw your father? <clears throat> the, no. My father also, we, from Auschwitz, we were only in Auschwitz probably about, I don't, maybe the most, uh, two weeks. Right. And then they loaded us up again on the way to Mauthausen. Mauthausen was uh, one of the most uh, terrible Vernichtungslagers. It, w- it was, it was uh, just, just created for that, but also to distribute the supply of, 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 of new, uh, fresh labor uh, to many of the satellite camps. So in Mauthausen, as I said, I was separated with my father to a, through a uh, freak accident. A boy named 68818, Israel Stark, is with us live via telephone. He is the author. Um, you were given that number at Auschwitz, correct? No, I was given that number in Matthausen. In Matthausen, okay. Yeah, and I don't, I was not tattooed. And, of course, I found out uh, uh, just about four or five years ago uh, through Yad Vashem why uh, certain uh, prisoners, uh, why certain Heftlingen were not tattooed. I uh, do not want to take up too much time and go into this uh, particular reason, but I, I was handed a little piece of cloth with a red triangle and uh, with the number 68818, and I was told, uh, little boy, uh, from now on, uh, this is your name. Your name is no more Yisrael Star. And uh, this is the title of the book that I decided to uh, come up with, uh, which is I'm, I'm just getting some tremendous uh, feedback about uh, six, I, I never imagined such success with this book. And certainly it was not uh, the reason I, 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 I came out with it was not uh, for any profits or anything. There would be no profits there. But it has been really amazing uh, how uh, people... Are, are, are excited about it and, and educational people in education. And what is really the most surprising, Nachum, uh, to me, is the non Jewish uh, population. How they are uh, constantly calling me and reordering the book uh, to many different schools and, and different institutions and libraries. Hmm, unbelievable. At any point, did you feel there was any significance that the number ended with Chai? No. Uh, I was uh, just uh, recently, uh, since I came out with the book, I mean, some people have made that observation, uh, but I have uh, I have never really thought about that this might be uh, a certain sign or a certain sign that, uh, the, that it ends with 18. Of course, you have to also realize that many times uh, the uniforms, uh, or I call it the uniform, our clothing became soiled or, or, or torn or so forth, so there was no problem getting another uh, set of clothing. Uh, 
of the prison clothing. But uh, the most important thing was I constantly was very careful to transfer that number over right. from from my old uh, torn jacket to to my new one. So. Uh, if I we would not Khalila be caught without a number or, or for some reason or other or, or punished because of that. And I hate to even uh, I hate to even mention why it was easy to get replacement uh, uniforms. Uh, you you're right. I mean you don't have to mention, it, but there was no no problem. The shoe was a different problem because any good shoes uh, were mostly even even disappeared uh, uh, in in barracks. So uh, and so they issued if somebody needed shoes, they issued wooden shoes. There was. That was that was the the shoe uh, basic uh, for for prisoners uh, in 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 the concentration camp. I, I hope you don't mind um, if I ask you what, what what some people might think are inane curiosities, but it just it, it's it. I don't get this opportunity too often uh, to ask someone like yourself who remembers it so clearly and who's willing to share the information. Uh, nighttime in the barracks. Uh, is there conversation? Is there any? Is there any activity? Is there? Is there? Is there? Is there overwhelming despair? What? What is it like? Well, yes. At nighttime in the barracks, uh, we had let's say an hour or two before uh, actually fell asleep in in the bunks. I always managed to be, at the, and there were three tier bunks. I always managed to be on the top tier. Sometimes we were uh, seven. Uh, we slept seven, uh, like like sardines, uh, uh, head in different directions, and sometimes we were even ten. Uh, of course, the, the lice was was unfortunately the, the, one of the biggest problems, and uh, to, to be eaten up alive uh, through these parasites. But basically, most conversations uh, just were out of long food. Food, food, food. Remember what I ate. Remember what we had. And remember this. And of course, we, we, uh, I, I, I probably read about couple in the, in, in the book. A couple was, uh, of course, our uh, computer, and uh, we had no energy, or there was no need for for me or to my friends to uh, try and uh, keep a husband, whether it's uh, five days in in, in ER or. Or whether the Yontev is coming out. Right, Couple was the man who was able to keep track of that, right? But he, uh, we wanted to know what day it is, and right. we wanted to know what week it is, or whether it's about uh, Hoydish. All we had to do is consult with the couple, and, and he gave you the answer immediately. Right, which, which it struck me so when I read about that, that how many people, you were lucky in that he was there. How many people went through these situations? Didn't even know what day it was, and I'm not even, I'm not even talking about wondering when Shabbos is. Just it, it must be so disconcerting when when it's just one day into the next, and you have no idea, you know, any uh, any judgment of time, space, anything. You're right. There was, no, of course, you, you have to realize we had no watches, we had no paper, we had no calendars. Uh, we had nothing of a kind. We only we could first tell when when the, when is the daylight and when is when is the time when night it comes around. Uh, but basically, uh, any other information, it, it was something that we, nobody wanted to spend some energy and try to uh, figure out uh, uh, what date it is because it was of no importance. Every day was just trying to live through and trying to exist another day. So, but, uh, but of course, sometimes we did have to know because we wanted to know if, uh, uh, still if, if we miss, uh, let's see, M. Kipper or Kipper is coming up or Sukkot or any other uh, date. 
so couple was there, and, and that was uh, a God-given, uh, I think, gift to us. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Israel Stark is with us on this Yom HaShoah, this Holocaust Remembrance Day. The book is entitled A Boy Named 68818. Um, you talk about, you just mentioned in terms of the calendar, not knowing days. You talk about someone, I assume it was couple, uh, discovering or remembering that Yom Kippur was approaching. And there was actually... <laughs> There was actually a spontaneous Yom Kippur service, if we can call it that, in the barracks, right? People were just trying to recall whatever they could of the Yom Kippur liturgy. Am I right? You're absolutely right. Um, we did not, uh, it was almost like uh, an immediate decision. Uh, they went around asking, do you, can you recite any of the tefillahs from Yom Kippur night uh, by heart? And, of course, there were quite a few... Um, uh, individuals, quite a few prisoners who still uh, remembered very clearly certain fillers uh, in, in from New Kippur night, uh, like uh, I, of course, Kol Nidre, everybody was aware of, but right. I, I uh, was uh, laying on my bunk and, and started suddenly heard the, uh, all these all these fillers, and I uh, and the same thing is, and suddenly the, the beautiful, somebody said Yale, give it a beautiful Ming, and 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 everybody started crying, and 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 it, it was the cries were so loud, and, and it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, many felt, you know, every minute they're going to break in, come in with with who knows with uh, what weapons or or, or some other uh, things, and and just and just um, uh, completely destroy us. But nothing of this sort happened. I fell asleep during during those when those fellows were going on. In the morning, I, I wake up and I say to my uh, friend who was next to me, one of my friends, and I say, I had a, had a very interesting dream. I have a dream that, and finally he, he straightened me out. He says, Sulik, there was no dream that actually took place. And it took place, and thank God, uh, nobody um, really has uh, disturbed that and, and, and destroyed us. Uh, you, you uh, obviously you saw many people being killed. Uh, you yourself went through a at least one terrible beating, uh, if not others. Uh, did you wake up each morning wondering, is this the day I'm going to be killed? Is this the day I'm going to be beaten? Is this the day that life is going to end? No. Everybody woke up every morning and tried to say, how am I going to manage to get through the day without being punished or without being in any way murdered. So uh, that was the, uh, the, the the basic thing just to get through another day where you did not commit any terrible, uh, I would say, uh, sin as far as, as far as these Russians were concerned, uh, that you that you needed to be punished. I was punished uh, uh, by, uh, they gave me 25 lashes, uh, yes, after work. They called again 68818, and when somebody hurts any any number, it, it usually wasn't very good news. So some of the German, uh, uh, I would say, managers that managed our work uh, reported to, to to the capo that I uh, uh, I did not do my job, which was uh, bringing those those pointers. Uh, for 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 uh, into the tunnels right. for be able to to advance with the drills, and I was late or I was goofing off, so uh, they they gave me twenty five lashes, uh, which was uh, terrible, of course, and 
uh, if it wouldn't be for my friends who gave me the tremendous support at that time and helped me to get back to camp uh, and so forth. And thank God, eventually um, I, I healed and, and I overcame uh, that punishment too. So again, it was the will of the Rabbi Nishilohelem for, for me to, to go on from one thing to the other. You, the, the nature of your work kept you out of bad weather conditions very often, which you write is a tremendous advantage because most people have to suffer in the outdoors in very bad weather, right? No, the advantage of my work was something else. The advantage of my work was that I had access to fire. To fire? Nobody else had. Right. Like, <clears throat> because these pointers that I carried in and out of the tunnels, they had to be sharpened. And we could not have any fire going inside the tunnel because they would probably consume some of the oxygen there. So uh, I had to carry it out. But having access to fire gave me a tremendous advantage because uh, uh, many, many of the prisoners came down with dysentery. Dysentery was one of the biggest, biggest problems. Many got so bad that they had to go in to check into a revere or a hospital, so to speak. But unfortunately, I don't know, remember anybody that ever checked out. Right. So uh, consequently, I managed to, to, to make a deal with a blacksmith, and I told him, can I burn some wood? And I was told that, that uh, charcoal is a refuge for dysentery. So I, I burned some wood and I let it cool off, and then I scraped off the, uh, the charcoal or the burn part right. into a powder. Uh, the problem was I didn't have where to, how to package that, but finally, finally I found some big leaves near a pond, which I packaged that black powder, and uh, then some, some paper from cement bags, and I distributed this to some of uh, the prisoners suffering from that machler, and uh, many of them, many of them told me, Srulik, it was a great help, it was a great help. So that was one of the tremendous advantages that I had that nobody else had, is the access to fire. And what, and what about the weather, though? Because uh, obviously you're not clothed properly, and at night I'm sure you're not covered the way you would normally be in these days. I mean, The weather, the weather was only a factor in, in the time when they, because... We, we were, of course, in the camp in Melk, in the camp itself, but the work was, I would say, about a half an hour, uh, three-quarters of an hour away uh, from from the camp in, in the mountains where we built tunnels, which eventually uh, the, the Germans wanted to use it for industrial purposes and establish some factories in these, in these tunnels. Uh, so, uh, but so inside working inside, uh, the 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 weather was not a factor. The weather could only be a factor marching back and forth uh, from the at, back into the camp, and sometimes uh, it was absolutely in the winter time absolutely unbearable, and people were just crying or or or, or wanted to give up. And uh, I remember in my group started to sing. We 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 were uh, saw that it was a very a terrible uh, um, situation, and we started singing, and eventually, believe it or not, little by little, others started to joining us, uh, us in, in helping us sing. I think it took away some of the terrible condition of, of feeling the, the terrible cold and, and the rain and the wind and the snow, so uh, that was also a great moment. Israel Stark is with us. Were, were, you, were you given food more than once a day? Uh, we were given food in the morning. We were given some kind of a, um, uh, it was called a tea or a soup. 
uh, which was made, um, uh, I, I felt it was made from caraway seeds, but the, the portion of bread, uh, which uh, I say we couldn't call bread because it was not regular bread, uh, it was a loaf divided sometimes in eight portions and sometimes in six portions, it was given to us uh, every evening. Uh, after we came back from work and with uh, some soup supposed to be called a gumiza or, or a vegetable soup uh, I imagine from the leftovers of the of the, of the German kitchen which uh, was ready to be uh, thrown out in the garbage. Was there ever an episode or any indication that these vicious murderers had any humanity in them? Was there any encounter you ever had where you said to yourself, oh wow, this really is a human being and not just the monster that they always are? Yes, I had one encounter because I was also wounded in, a, in an accident uh, on this uh, conveyor belt. Right, which you almost, I mean, your, your life almost ended in that episode. That is correct, but uh, I was saved also there. And um, so uh, basically uh, I tried to hide it because, again, uh, if you are not able to work, do your job, they, you were not uh, useful anymore. Right. Uh, many times I was when we marched back and forth to to the working area. Uh, we used to go up uh, some steps, and there was one soldier who constantly was uh, outside uh, because we were always in five. Always we had to line up in five in a row, and I managed to stay outside uh, on on the edge of the of the five uh, individuals. And he handed me sometimes an apple or or. A, or a potato, which was a, a German soldier. Uh, the other the other incident, which I, I my friends did not believe, and uh, I I was uh, it was already uh, I believe it was in late um, it must have been maybe in uh, October or November. I was walking down the camp uh, uh, grounds, and we had a every time a German officer approached or, or came towards us, we had to stop and take the, our mitzvah off. The mitzvah is the cap, and, and wait till, uh, till he passed by. And this time I see this, this big officer with tremendous, uh, beautiful uniform. It was an Air Force officer coming towards me. I stopped, and I took my mitzvah off, and, uh, like I'm supposed to, and then I started passing him by and uh, with my mitzvah off, and finally, I heard the word halt. I stopped in my tracks, and he told me, room. he said, don't turn around. He was facing one direction, I was facing the other direction, and then I heard the words, es wird nicht mehr lange dauern. Halt in my house. He said, it will not last much longer. Hold out a little more. In reference to the war, obviously. In reference to the war. Wow. Right. So he... After, that was the, the only words I heard. He uh, continued walking his direction. I continued walking my direction. I come back to the barracks. I told, I was, I was mamish. Uh, I told my friends, do you know what just happened? And they said, Surlik, why are you dreaming up these things? Why are you telling us something? And I just would not, would not believe that something like this occurred. But uh, to me, it was quite clear and quite, uh, and I understood exactly what he said. And it was, uh, to me, mamash, a, a, a revelation that the something like this can happen. How long after that was liberation? Well, uh, after that, of course, they took us, uh, again, uh, uh, Melk was, uh, the, the Russian uh, army was, Melk was not far from Vienna. And the Russian army was approaching, so uh, there were three different ways that they uh, transported us out from Melk into Abenzey. 
And uh, so I would say probably uh, a liberation took place. Uh, do you realize uh, tomorrow is the date of my liberation in, in, in Abenzay, which is May the 6th. Wow. So I, apropos that uh, you gave me the opportunity to express a few of my thoughts and my experiences at, at this time. Unbelievable. Um, how old were you at Liberation? 15, 16? Something like that, yeah. And um, that, is it. that is in itself, Liberation in itself is a tremendous, it's a very, very important time. Uh, and I think that one, uh, we, we seldom speak about the moment of Liberation, but I would say that is, was the key to the future. In my own memory, I feel that uh, we were standing uh, under dark clouds, and, and and if it wouldn't have been for uh, moments where, uh, where, the, where the Klosenburger Rebbe's Chisa Yugonelenu, where he came by and said, Raboisai, uh, we have to go back to our Musoira, we have to go back to uh, what our what our mothers and fathers taught us, and we have to establish uh, girls' schools, and we have to do something, and, and, and he encouraged us, and uh, we were at this point, I imagine, it, it was like Purma again, Kimu Kiblu Mashi Kiblu Kwar, and I can say only what, what we have today, what, what, what the, 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 the B'nai Torah in, in, the, in the schools, and in the, in the Talmud, and the moisture that we have today in, in Eretz Yisrael, in America, and all over the world, I think it's because, again, the, this, the Shadis of Plato, which we are standing at that moment of liberation, said, Kimu Kiblu Mashi Kiblu Oh, it's uh, difficult to argue with that. I think you're 100% right. Um, you, you write about what seems, at least, uh, you allude to it, uh, a group of young people, a, a group of, your, uh, of people your age who you were... My peers, right. Right, who you were close with. Right. I think there were nine, I think you wrote, or eight or seven, nine? Seven. Seven. We were actually uh, eight, but uh, one got, uh, no, two, nine, but two got uh, wounded. There was a bombing on Shebusser. I don't know if it was Shebusser, but Thomas, they bombed the, the German uh, barracks, uh, which was around the camp, but uh, many, uh, we were also hit, many barracks were hit with bombs. And they were, uh, I happened to have been at work at that uh, afternoon or that day on day shift. But uh, two of my friends were uh, wounded, and uh, eventually I learned that they took them to a hospital where they nursed them back to, to health in, in a German hospital. And they brought in the Red Cross, and they took uh, history and pictures of how wonderful they, they are to, to, to those poor uh, prisoners, and they nursed them back. And once the, the Red Cross was finished with the, and so forth, they, they, they killed them. Wow. So they, 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 this is what we learned after liberation. There was no doubt about it. What is it like for you, knowing that all this happened in your mid-teens, when you see mid-teens today, young boys and girls in our community, who may not always appreciate life, who may not always understand how precious life is what goes through your mind and it, you know it's funny I'm, I'm saying this um i'm saying this right after the holiday of pesach because so many of us so many of us look at so many things that we go through through the year as difficult as you know preparing for pesach is difficult observing pesach can be difficult and there are many di- and to someone like yourself it must be a very very different perspective well, I will tell you frankly, uh, I have gained strength. Uh, 
from all this. I've gained strength in uh, right after liberation. I uh, took a dinner with Hashem like everybody else, and and only then did we realize the enormity of, of the harm of what took place. And, uh, of course, we all had to make adjustments. And, uh, Baruch Hashem, I had the sense enough to make the adjustment that uh, there's, uh, there's no other way except to go back to the Messiah that, that my parents uh, brought me up and, and, and also my, the, the, my teachers. And, uh, but I'm sorry to say, um, and, and I have to tell you, uh, which gives me great pain, that I'm very disappointed with the real, I would say, Hredi or, or the, the very Frum community. That, that they have not been in the, up in the front of teaching this harm Europe to their young people. And many young people, unfortunately, are not aware. And that's what pains me most than anything, because I feel... Uh, we, just, we just got through saying, Behold, is obligated to, to, to project himself like he just went out from, from Egypt. Why? Because he should be able to be gathered to Lebinchub, you should be able to tell it to your children and, and grandchildren. And these young people in the yeshivas today and the very, this are not, they're not given that information and they are not going to be, be able to be Makayim that. This is what paints me a great feel. But Baruch Hashem, I myself, have been strengthened by all this and, and I am no problem talking about it. And I'm doing my share because I think we got it to Lebinchu is very important. And if Lefianias date, I would even go further. I would say Chai of Udom Liris is Atzmoy, Kiliyoise me Matthausen, Auschwitz and Treblinka and all these places. Like he was, he was liberated himself. In that way, they'll be able to give over to their children and grandchildren. Understood, and and believe me, much appreciated. And your words are so vital and important. But but is there a message directly about the? Is there a message directly to to us, a spoiled generation, in terms of remembering and thinking about what our predecessors have gone through? Well, the message first of all is twofold. One one is that I don't have to encourage them because it is a mitzvah say. I mean, I said to remember that's one thing and not only there many say it's not only on Purim or, or on, 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 on time uh, on that time it's, it's mamish every day one should remember that and secondly as I'm saying that we should all take a a a, 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 a Musar Haskell uh, and, and see and tell our children look here uh, of course, we, we, we had Mitzrayim and, 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 and the, all, all, all the children goes through Parsha's boy and, and, and learn about what, what the, the, you know, what Rabbi Yisraelim did uh, in, with, for us on Yetzirah's Mitzrayim. But uh, they also should know uh, about what happened 70, only 70, 75 years ago, approximately. And unfortunately, it's Poichas Behoilach. There are many uh, less and less individuals like me who can get up and, and, and speak about it and say, this is my experience. This is what something I have seen. And I was not, not something that I was told by my grandfather or, great, or, or my, my brother or sister. So that is very, very important. And, and I hope, as I said, that as long as the Rebbein Shalom gives me the Kirchus, I I will continue to do this. But I also feel 
that we also have to keep in mind that we, Baruch Hashem, have now a country called Eretz Yisrael, which is strong, and, 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 and we uh, probably don't even realize ourselves how, how strong. We have to uh, pray to the Rabbani Shalom that you continue to, to, to guard them and give them protection and, and be able to, because they are our protectors now. And I don't think that anything can happen now to the Jewish population as long as Israel is, is strong and vibrant. Yeah, well, that's a very important message, uh, that's for sure. Israel Stark is the author of A Boy Named 68818. And now we should also mention, in the book itself, you have a, a guide, a, uh, I guess we'd call it, what, a teacher's guide, an educational guide? It is that. The book itself is, is, is based for uh, educational purposes for schools and libraries, and there is a historical overview, and there's a timeline and, and, and maps, and, and of course, everything that you need in order to understand uh, what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to convey. A lot of survivors are silent about their experiences. Were you silent for a while, or you've always been open about these discussions? Uh, it's a very interesting question. For some reason or other, yes, I was silent, but basically to my family. My family has been complaining, that is my children and my wife and children and grandchildren, have been complaining, Dad, you have never spoken to us uh, as, as you go around now in the last uh, uh, 30, 35 years speaking to many institutions and, and moistos about your experiences. So why not? Uh, I really, uh, for some reason or other, I don't know, maybe it was a hidden, uh, a hidden feeling that, that I did not want to, to upset my own family uh, on something to that effect. But I still don't understand why I open up to outside uh, audiences, but not so much to my family. The book was written by telling your story to your daughter, correct? The book was written because many times I got through speaking in uh, many moist days, and uh, I always asked, you have a library, and they, of course, uh, every, every school has a library. So many times I, I asked to see the librarian, and I uh, asked the librarian, I says, let me ask you a simple question. If Moishele, Yankele, Ruchele, or even Johnny would come to you and say, you know, I just heard this man called uh, Israel or Srulik uh, speak about such terrible things that happened to um, our grandfathers and, and, and our grandmothers. I mean, do you have anything that that I can read up or know more about it? And this, uh, this uh, maybe a 9 or 10 or 11 or 12-year-old uh, child. What would you give him? Oh, we have, we have that librarian said. This is, can I see some samples? Most of the time, I'm sorry to say they had a few simple uh, uh, light, a uh, few page, few pa uh, pamphlets that they brought along and says, well, this is uh, somebody that has written them. I says, but you have anything which is, of course, uh, you, you cannot give these children to read the Frankel. Uh, uh, the, uh, this book is, is of course, uh, known uh, uh, all, all over the world. I mean, that's not for their age or, or for their understanding. But nevertheless, I felt there may be a need, there is a need for me to go and tell my story in, in a book form. And I spoke to my uh, daughter, who has been writing many, uh, been writing uh, many different articles, and finally she agreed to listen to me. And it took us three years. It took me three years because she was so exact, and she checked everything through with experts to see if, if, if what every statement. For instance, I said my uh, distance between my cheder from my home to the cheder in Munkaj was two and a half kilometers, and she finally found out that it, it was three kilometers. So. <laughs> 
she called me to task and say you you made a mistake <laughs> and and so forth and so forth so i said well i should never make any any bigger mistakes but uh, it was so exact and i feel and i'm very satisfied that it it filled the need because I've had some wonderful, such wonderful feedback from different educators and, and libraries about uh, this uh, book named A Boy Named 68818. Um, th- th- there's a tradition, I think, that I, I would guess that I'd have to say it was started at some point. I don't think it goes that far back, but I could be wrong. Uh, there may be a, a precedent of, of many, many years in Jewish history uh, that uh, if one receives a blessing from somebody who went through your type of experience, it is a very uh, valuable blessing. It's a priceless one. Uh, I, I would I would bet you've been approached with that before. Am I right? I've been approached many times. I'm very embarrassed. Uh, I um, have I've heard that the the Sakmer Rebbe, he's uh, the one who mentioned that if you need a brocha, don't come to me. Come to someone that that has a tattoo on his arm. Right. Uh, I heard that's that was his statement, and yes, many people approaches me. I I says I am not a koyan, and well, but maybe as uh, we have also the 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 mamer chazal al tie birchas hedyot kalbeyanecho, and there was uh, so fine. Uh, every Jew is entitled to give a bracha to the other. To the other, his friend or or, or his uh, mishpucha, maybe maybe the rabbi Shalom will, will 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 agree with it. Well, Mr. Stark, if that's the case, I'll ask you to give us a blessing, and I don't just mean the people here; I mean everybody listening as well. That number one, we appreciate and remember those who have sacrificed and have passed Al Kiddush Hashem on this Yom Hashoah. Number one, and number two, that all of us survivors and others continue to fight for a safe, secure, and strong state of Israel, and that we do what we need to do in order to guarantee the future of the Jewish people. This, this I, I, I really agree with everything you said, and this is very, very important because this is going to be our strength. This is where we have to put our efforts in and to see. And uh, and we say we still hope our Bias girl say that we may be humane. One of the most meaningful hours I've ever had the uh, honor to preside over. Thank you so much for joining me today, and uh, continued good luck with the book. Thank you. I want to thank you for having me and, and, and giving me the opportunity to express some of my thoughts. Thank you so much, Rabbi My pleasure. Uh, Israel Stark, the book is A Boy Named 68818. It's available on Amazon. There's a New York area store listing on a boy named 68818.com a boy named 68818.com there is a facebook page as well and uh take
This last chord. Come, come back. Hello.
Yikirim Hello Kainu Before that, Chaim David with his unique interpretation of those words, Yizkareim, here at JM in the AM. Speaking of a unique interpretation, by the way, on this Yom HaShoah, and today is Yom HaShoah. Special guest coming up about five minutes from now. Uh, before we get to the bottom of the hour, I wanted to uh, get in a, a, a song that I think one can say is certainly a different interpretation of the way we usually have, um, uh, the way we usually have um, gotten used to in terms of songs of the Holocaust. And by the way, the interview I did with Israel Stark was done a few years back. I thought it was appropriate to do it this morning and make it part of our Yom HaShoah program for this year. And I thank those who've been reacting to that conversation. I thought it was a really important one. Uh, that was with the great Israel Stark. Um, listener Shaney gave me this um, a message um, that came from her son who writes, I read Mala's heroic story and couldn't believe this brave and courageous woman never had a dedication. Mala was a music teacher who, when captured by the Nazis, led a revolution in Auschwitz concentration camp. As quoted in the full story, the assembled crowd shouted Mala's name twice. Mala, Mala, upon her arrival back to Auschwitz after being turned into the Nazis by Poland, where she was hiding. The double call of Mala's name reverberated in my head, which eventually became the chorus of a song. And... Um, this is Mayor Malik. Mayor Malik with a with a recent selection entitled Mala Mala. A little bit different, but certainly significant in commemorating the life of a hero of the Shoah on this Yoma Shoah at JM in the AM.
Mala Mala. Mayor Malik and his uh, dedication to a woman named Mala, who was a hero of Auschwitz. And as I said, people have different ways musically to commemorate important lives and important uh, remembrances. And that was a unique, certainly uh, done in unique fashion here at JMNA. It is Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura, Yom HaShoah 5782. Today's day 12 in the counting of the Omer. The Israel Stark interview that I did earlier was from years back. The interview I do next will be with uh, one of today's most influential people in the area of uh, Jewish education, especially as it relates to the Holocaust. Rabbi Naftali Schiff is joining us next at JM in the AM. Uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Esther Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Great Klosenberger Rebbe endured all of the horrors of the Holocaust. After his liberation, he had learned that his entire family had been wiped out. At that moment, he was like Dovid HaMelech, in which we learn in Shmuel, that Dovid HaMelech, his faith got greater. He became stronger in Hashem. And so too, the Klosenberger Rebbe often said, he quoted the Chovos HaVovos throughout his life, Elokei Hiravtani, Ve'erum, Azavani, Hashem, you starved me. You left me alone. And you caused me to dwell in the darkness of night. However, you showed me your greatness, and I have sworn. Even if I shall be burned in fire, I will not stop loving you and rejoicing in you. The great Rabbi Cheskel Herpnes told over, there were transports that were sent to Auschwitz. No one was permitted to take any books, any svarim with them. However, there was one Yid, one Jew, who was refusing to let go of his Sefer Torah that he was holding on to. And he took it straight into the transport and straight on the train. When the enemy saw it, it was obvious that he wasn't trying to smuggle anything. He did it in front of everybody's eyes. When the train arrived at Auschwitz, the people were commanded to put down all of their possessions on the train, not to leave with a single possession. But this Jew, he hurried to get off. He had the Sefer Torah in his hands. The Germans came. They cursed him. They beat him. They mocked him. But he was seemingly unaware of anything that happened. A soldier came over, pointed his pistol straight at the man's heart. He threatened to shoot him. But the man would not give up the Sefer Torah. He was willing to give up his life. The two Germans looked at each other. They shrugged their shoulders. They couldn't believe it. He kept that Sefer Torah all the way until he reached the gas chambers. A Jew witnessed this. A Jew that was alienated. A Jew that gave up on observance. That even mocked Orthodox Jews. When he saw that, he made the decision on the spot to come back to Hashem. To ask Hashem's forgiveness and for the rest of his life, remained loyal and dedicated to Avodah Hashem. May we learn from the great Kedoshim. May we learn from all of the survivors, their steadfast faith, their Amun and Hashem, their fire, their perseverance to carry the torch, to carry the Sefer Torah, 
to prove the nitzchias, the eternity of the Am Torah, Am Yisrael. May their memory be a blessing, and may their schuyos shield over all of Klau Yisrael. I thank Rabbi Goldwasser. Important words on this Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura on this Holocaust Remembrance Day. JM in the AM, Rabbi Naftali Schiff is with us live via telephone. He is based in the United Kingdom. He is responsible for a whole host of incredible organizations and programs that have so much to do with the Jewish past and the Jewish future. And um, it would be impossible to do the entire resume, but he is responsible for organizations and efforts like Chazak, a community-based organization established in 2010 for young Sephardic Jews in the UK, for Chazon, another educational institution, J-Link, a group bringing educational programs into mainstream non-Jewish schools, the Forum for Jewish Leadership, Legacy Live, uh, Shalanu, an organization to set up and enable Israeli expats living in the UK to connect to their Jewish-Israeli heritage. And the one that uh, I think we're going to be concentrating on today, because I believe this one fits the most into today's um, Yom HaShoah format, is J-Roots. Founded by Rabbi Naftali Schiff in 2006, J-Roots has educated thousands of young people every year about the Holocaust and Jewish heritage through inspiring, meaningful, and educational journeys across Poland, Eastern Europe, Israel, and Morocco. Rabbi Naftali Schiff, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning, good morning, Nachum. I've got to say... uh, uh, Machel, uh, when I uh, was was looking through the news and I uh, and I came across the uh, the tragic fire that you had in your office, uh, it very much resonated with me because we actually uh, were victims of an anti-Semitic arson attack here in London, uh, where where people broke into the building on a Friday night and uh, set fire to the building and took Sifre Teram, the Orana Kodesh written them in half, threw them on the floor. And uh, so I, I, uh, I, your name is Reb Nachum, so you should, you should have a Nachama. And uh, as, as Rabbi Sachs, when he came to visit our building uh, in a couple of days afterwards, he said to me, Naftali, Kasher Ya'anu Oto, Ken Yirbevachen Yifrotz. Uh, build bigger, build stronger than ever before, and Baruch Hashem, we was able to do that. So you should have that as well. I appreciate that. And you can't imagine how comforting your words are, and uh, it's a difficult period, which is one that I'm sure you can relate to, but uh, I, I hope, in fact, that what you've just said will become uh, will become reality and will be able to uh, to grow and have even greater influence. And again, I thank you for that very, very much. Today is Yom HaShoah V'Hagvurah. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. I, I don't want to approach this. There's so many different opinions in our community worldwide. If there should be a Yom HaShoah, when it should be, etc. That's not my concern today. My, my, my question for you, somebody who's so involved in educational programs that deal with the past and, of course, focus so much on the importance of the Jewish future, is, is there... Is there? I'll put it this way: Is there a a benefit to a Yom Hashoah? Is there a benefit uh, to different generations being able to focus for one day on the past of the Jewish people, and it help all of us in terms of in terms of uh, concentrating uh, on the flip side on the future of the Jewish people? I I, I will cut straight straight through to, to the point, uh, which is. Um, in, in my experience, anyway, I think uh, all of us, whether you know, as parents or mechanchim, uh, anybody who cares about the, the the past and the present and the future of Klal Yisrael, um, we're, we're looking for ways to to really chayder 
uh, to really break through, to pierce through to people's hearts so that they, they take seriously where we come from, what the challenges of today are, and, and, and what, how do we get our younger generation to commit to the future. Um, I, I, I've been to Poland maybe hundreds of times with um, Sperber, uh, the co-founder of JRoots, and, and we've taken thousands and thousands of people to Poland. It's not from an, an obsession with the Holocaust, with the Shoah, for me, it's 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 more that that the hundreds of survivors that I've interviewed, and the hundreds of groups that, that we've had the tremendous trust to lead through Poland, the experience in Poland and the tapping into Zachary Moiselon Binu Schneider uh, maybe Binu with with the with the Shah with the Holocaust it's impossible to to use that word, but but it breaks through the veneer and the superficiality the chitzenius which is really the challenge of our generation, to something that is just far deeper. Um, you know, in the same way as we had to go through Mitzrayim, the Kur HaBarazel, uh, and we had Kibayish Tzatov, you know, Eish burns through. You know, when, when, when you see Sefer Torah burned on the floor, you will, uh, you know, what, what is the Sefer Torah? What is, what is it to be part of Klal Yisrael? So for me, if, if you're my Shoah, Get us to salt for a day and think more deeply about uh, anti-Semitism, about Amlevadod Yishkain, uh, which, but by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that the Shabbos in, in June 2006, when as 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 the rabbi of of uh, of our centre, I, I came uh, to Shul Shabbos morning, and there was a police cordon outside the building, and and you know, just saying very briefly, the police hadn't let anybody go in because it was a crime scene, but they they allowed me to go in as as the rabbi, and I went upstairs to the base of Medrash, uh, and and came into a scene of the, the the downstairs was was burnt out. I came into a scene of the the my grandparents escaped from Germany in 1933. After a swastika and feces were smeared on my my grandfather's door in in Unterdemlidenstrasse in, in in Berlin, I, I never thought that in 2006 in London I would be facing the scene with a safer sir ripped in half on the on the floor in front of me, and uh, maybe you can hear in my in my voice the the what what a what a scene and it was Parshas Bollock and 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 the letters of the Sefer jumped out I'm the God of Yishkan, but also I'm Kelavi Yakub, and and and. It's so difficult in our world to to get through to people. They're they're on their phones the whole time. They're on social media. It's all about the designer clothes. And whether we're from, we're not from. Whoever it is, we're we're so taken up. So I, I I think that the power of the Holocaust is 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 what what am I as a Jew? Why does this happen? And again and again, behold, Why? What is it to be to be? And and we we have found that, that on our trips to Poland. On, on, on our, our bringing survivors to meet young people and the the incredible uh, uh, archives that we have now of, of 200 survivors. Who, 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 I've asked them deep, deep questions. I, I find that the survivors are among the most powerful teachers of, of our younger generation, not not history teachers. It's not about history. Again, I'll mention Rabbi Sachs. He was said in he said in, in, in English, the, the sorry, in, in Hebrew, there's no word for history. It's historia, right. uh, the, the, because because we don't believe in his, history is his story. This is this is our story, and, and that's what Satanite's about, and that's what Yomashad's about. What what what, what is it to, to, to be a Jew? What what is it that we stand for? As Rabbi Goldwasser also said, you know, uh, just now, why why are people willing to give up so much of this? What what is it? To, to be to be a Jew in, in, in twenty twenty two. So I 
I, I was in Poland again after we, we had you know, two years of uh, very sparse, obviously, trips because of uh, Corona. I was there again um, just a month ago. We've got trips going, you know, all the time again, and the, the message is not diminished. If, if it's led by by literally a Murray Derek, people who people who people who understand the way and the path. Uh, the, the the young people you know need to walk on young young and old uh, from not non observant etc. So so uh, I, I I think that the message is is not diminished uh, and it mustn't be diminished. But at the same time, the Holocaust shouldn't become the central focus of, of our Yiddish side. It's it's uh, it's part of it. It's part of the whole dar dar. Rabbi Naftali Schiff is with us. The The first year that you traveled and uh, conducted one of these trips with a survivor was how long ago? It was actually that same year, 2006. And I uh, wonder... Well, that's not and, true. And I, oh, but, okay, well, sorry. assuming it's that era, right? Around then, around 2006? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, if if as the average age of the survivors has, has gotten uh, older... Uh, if their message has changed at all, is the survivor that you traveled with uh, 18 years ago or 16 years ago, uh, uh, is that gr- is that special group of people giving a different message today or one done in a little bit of a different mood or different fashion? Or have they been consistent the way they've presented to the kids, uh, to the young people over the years when they're visiting uh, Poland and other areas of Eastern Europe with them? Yeah, that's that's a remarkable. That's a that's a very interesting question. Uh, and the truth is, now I'm thinking about. I guess it's actually in the mid '90s that I first went. You know, we, we were taking survivors to Poland. Uh, and has the message changed? I, I think so. I think in those days, the, uh, you know, the, the earlier days, there were survivors who maybe quite readily agreed <clears throat> to go back and, and to lead trips. And and I think the message was was never again use uh, uh, uh that that type of thing. Um, that, and, and, and there was a group of survivors who would do that. Well, I, I was looking actually for, for, for survivors perhaps who weren't as professional, if you like, people who hadn't yet necessarily spoken that much. And I was looking, I was looking, trying to look for something uh, deeper than the evidence, the, the, the testimony, you know, this is what happened, this is where we I, I, I wanted to ask them deeper questions. Questions of Jewish values, questions of, of, you know, how did you keep going on the death march? Mm. What was the last thing your parents said to you? Uh, what do you remember from your parents' home? What, after the Holocaust, got you to, to what do you remember that, 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 that got you to get up and build a Jewish family again? When when God gave up on you, why didn't you give up on him? The, I, and that's what I said earlier, that I feel that survivors are such incredible teachers. So I, so I was, I, from the word go, I was, I was committed to do something a little bit deeper, which is ask these, these maybe difficult questions, personal questions, piercing questions, because I, I, I feel and I felt that, that survivors really have so much more to teach. And, and in, in direct answer to your question, um, I, I've seen many survivors change over the last quarter of a century in the direction that, 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 that I'm talking about, in the direction of we need to be giving a deeper message than never again or, or, or please don't forget us. And, and I'll tell you, we, we had a, we had an incredible experience. Uh, um, Jerry's was invited by the Auschwitz Birkenau Memorial Foundation to to partner with them in looking after the last big mission of survivors to commemorate the 75th anniversary of Auschwitz. Uh, 
So there were 120 survivors and second and third generation with them, and we hosted them for about five days uh, and, and over Shabbos in Krakow, and then we took them to Auschwitz, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I had this, this uh, peculiar situation where I, I was the rabbi, if you like, in, in J Roots, and I had a lanyard you know, uh, around, my, around my neck and on my chest saying, Rabbi Naftali Shiv. So I was the, the target, if you like, of, of 70 years of pain, anguish, confusion, anger, um, you know, almost, you know, you're a rabbi, you are, you know, yeah. why didn't the rabbis tell everybody, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I, during those four or five days, we, they turned from, from venomous <laughs> uh, accusations to people who, when we stood in ashes, they came out one by one and said, please, could you get a minion and say Kaddish for our parents, for our brothers and sisters? And we've stayed in touch with many, many, many of them. It happens to me that I'm saying, I'll tell you something, but I'm saying Kaddish now for a survivor who was nifted, passed away in, in January, who, who was one of those people. On, on Friday night in Krakow, first thing he said when he sat down next to me was, why didn't the rabbi tell us to leave, and et etc. Et et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't have anybody to say Kaddish, even though he came from Sutler family. He has Jewish children, nobody's saying Kaddish. I'm saying Kaddish for him. The, the most moving thing, maybe in his whole experience, that he kept repeating to me afterwards, was on Motsi Shabbos in the square in Krakow, we made Havdallah. And Tzvi and I made up dogs together. I spoke a bit, Tzvi sang, and, and we, we gave each of the survivors a, a Havdalah candle. And and we explained to them, what is Havdalah? You know, Beni Sohala Amim, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'd ra- rather be a victim than the perpetrator. And, 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 I, and I said to them there, please hold the candle up as high as you can. And I promise you, Belineda, that, that J-Roots and all the organizations, all the mechanics that we're involved in, that we will pass on your torch of Jewish pride, of the Yiddish and the Shabbat, we will pass it on to the next generation. That, 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 that survivor was standing there, became one of my, you know, very close friends, and I would call him up and give him a bit of Atura and sing the Gunim with him, you know, for the last two years. Yeah. Again, he was somebody who lived for 70 years with, with in pain and anguish and confusion and in, in consternation. But, but, but in the end, I even asked the Shiloh, I'll tell you about, I asked the Shiloh from, from my role, I said to him, I, I feel that if I could go around the world and meet each one of these 120 survivors, maybe I could help to, as a rabbi, you know, they can, they can pour out, maybe I can give them a little bit of closure, a little bit. Should I do that? Should I spend the next year doing that? Now the truth is, then Corona came along, so I couldn't anyway. But I stayed in touch with that, and and uh, but, but, so th- there was an enormous change because the bottom line is everybody everybody's up into the year, and, and and deep down, even though we have enormous questions, you know, the the the, the first survivor that I had a very close relationship, you know, big was uh, Pearl Banish, who wrote to Vanquish the Dragon, right. who was one of the last. Um, Shalom, she was one of the last Talmuders uh, of, of Sorosh Nira. Right. And, and uh, I, I'll, I'll say this very briefly. When, when I met her for the first time, it was the week that Rabin had been assassinated. And, and, and I met her in the Gurlitz uh, Bakery in, in Kula. And uh, we had a whole long discussion. And, um, 
and, and I was I said to you know, how does somebody like you survive Plushov and Paranoff Ghetto and Ashes, Beer Canal, Bergen Belson, the Death Line, you know, you lost everything. How do you feel today, you know, when when people see people like us with you know with a Yamulka, you know, or Hatta, you know, a Frunju, they, they, they at the time in Eritrea it was almost a civil war. It was a, I said to her, how, how do you feel? And she said to me something I'll never forget. She said, Naftuli, this is Goldie, my, my granddaughter. Goldie is earning in Bishakov and Yushalayim. November 1943, I was taken to the gas chambers. And at the last moment, there was a commotion, and they said they sent us back to the barracks. I promise you that the distance from where we're sitting today to Mashiach Kenu is much less than the distance I've traveled from, from the gas chambers over there to, to my, my granddaughter in Bishakov and Yushalayim. And she said, you know, Naftuli, don't, don't give up. And the other, one of the other things she said to me in that conversation as well, which is why I explained the show with now, she, when I said, you know, the bonus loan, where was God, and you know, how, how do you deal with this? Uh, many survivors have said this to me, but she was the first. She said, Anybody went through it knows it was too, it was too crazy to, you know, the, the whole German war effort, even though it was directed to kill, uh, try and exterminate all of Hungarian Jewry. The way they, it, it just, it was, everybody knows Meis Hashem. But it, it, it's beyond us. It, it, we, we can't understand. And I, and, and, and I feel that, that all of the people that, that I've met, and they can be the most distant from, from observance, the Pinsel Yid is, 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 is alive in, in, in all of those I've met. You know, one, one, of the, one of the first survivors we took to Poland was a fellow by the name of Toby Blatt. Uh, Toivy, maybe you or maybe uh, some of the, 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 the listeners that have seen, there's a, there's a movie called Escape from Sobibor. Right. And, and there's a kid, there's a, there's a kid in the film, Toby Blatt. Mm-hmm. Toby Blatt came from Ishpitz, um, and, and he was in Sobibor, and he was in, the, he escaped from Sobibor. He was involved in making, making that movie. He, he was, he, I, I don't know what he was like before, but afterwards, totally left any observance. He, 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 when he came to our house for Shabbos on Friday night, he said it was the first Friday night he's had in, in 60 years. Never, you know, no kiddish, nothing. And he was incredibly emotional, et cetera, et cetera. We, he, we had the tremendous of taking him back to Poland with groups three times. Uh, he was lifted now a few years ago. The last time we went back there, I'll tell you one of the things that he said. If you remember the movie, at, at, when, they're, when they're escaping, there are a few people who are standing still and, and don't run. And, 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 and one of the leaders of, of, of the escape, you know, runs and says, come on, run, 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 run. Toby said he made sure that was in the film. He, he said, I never, you know what these people were doing? They were davening. And he said he never thought all his life, he just said, what, what are they doing? Come on, run. And, 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 he's, and he left religion. Toby left religion. The last time we went back with him to Poland, it was an incredible trip because we had three survivors, one from Treblinka, one from Sobibor, one from Auschwitz. It was a phenomenal experience. He, he, last time we went back, he, he said, now I know that those, those are the real victors. Those people who kept saying Shema Yisrael, that, that, you know, they, they understood. They, but he said, what, what have I got? I, I haven't got any Jewish descendants. And never, I'm, I'm, I'm saying Kaddish now for three survivors who, who don't have anybody to say Kaddish for them. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, you know, one of the biggest, biggest lessons I've learned for life from these survivors is, is is you can't judge. Yeah, you never know. And, and not. I mean, I, I, again, there's so many stories that we can share and we can tell. But you know, and and going back to the very beginning, we're saying, is there a point in your martial arts? Is there a point in the Holocaust? All the lessons that, that, that I've that I've learned 
from survivors from being in Poland. They're not a, it's not just about the Holocaust. Nothing, nothing of death is just about the Holocaust. It's not the way we need to teach and share and, and, and experience any of these trips or talking to people. It's not about, you know, Zyklon B, uh, excuse my, you know, it's not about, you know, how, how long it took to build a gas chamber no. or, 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 or how long was the train journey or, or what is it? it, it it's, it's, it's about, it's about the resilience and the persistence and, and, the, and I, and I, I'm, I'm not whitewashing, you know, of course the majority of Jews, they weren't, they weren't observant and we can't whitewash history and say everybody, you know, everybody was, that, that's ridiculous. But, if I was down the country, some of these people, I've learned so much about life and about the Pintelegid and about not judging people and about the Nitsis, the Kali soil, even from the people who, you know, tried to, to run away. So so I, I, I think the, the answer to that central question is, is I, I think Holocaust studies and, and Yom HaShoah, so it ca- cannot just be, a, it's not about history. It, it's something much deeper than that and there's something much deeper that we can learn about the journey of the Jewish people and about, not about history, but about our story. And, and, uh, you know, why, why, why in every generation is standing up against us? What does it mean to be a Jew? And, and in a, in a, in a generation where we can't get the attention of young people because they're flicking through the social media all the time, you know, the truth is, unfortunately, 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 Poland's one of the last places where, where unless your heart is really made of stone, you can get through to people, not not with guilt, not not with you know, not not getting points, you know, by by hopping from cover to cover and getting people to cry by ditches, but by 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 being authentic, by being sincere, by being genuine, and and being brave, asking questions and 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 linking arms and understanding. This is our past. These are the challenges of the present, and, and let's commit to the future, but not not from guilt, but but from netzachi yishakir. Rabbi Naftali Schiff is with us. Um, you know, I, we, of course, I mean, you just described it, that the uh, people who went through the Shoah, um, some came through with tremendous faith, others uh, not judging, of course, but but we, we know the direction that they went in. You just described some of that for us and some of the turnaround that has happened uh, uh, that you've seen up close and personal. I, I'm wondering about the students, uh, not to compare, obviously, <laughs> their experience is not, uh, is not one like the survivors, obviously, but... But I'm I'm just wondering, you know, we always hear uh, of of students and young people who visit, and it only enhances their faith. It only enhances their Jewish identity. It only enhances uh, among the uh, you know those from a religious background. It only enhances uh, their Jewish ritual, etc. Uh, have you ever seen the opposite? Have you ever had this experience had an opposite effect on Jewish youth, where they witnessed what their predecessors or generations past went through, and they weren't able to uh, to, to handle being being a, a part of our people because of this experience of yesteryear I, i'm sure that the answer is 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 there are many many people uh, as there were you know for, for the generation after the holocaust that, that left as a result of visiting the subject of the holocaust and i'll, I'll say even more that on, on a personal and even on an organizational level uh, when we started doing trips to poland eastern europe people said you know your 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 main Chinuch uh, remit at the time was was Kirov. It was outreach. Why would you take people to the biggest kasha in you know in in the, in the world? What are, why are you doing that for? And that is actually why I decided 
that instead of uh, um, only giving people theological and philosophical uh, um, um, ways of dealing with it, I'd ask survivors themselves. That is actually why I started uh, my, my own personal journey that's taken me all over the world uh, um, for J Roots, interviewing uh, survivors. You know, I've, I've uh, incredible people. I say I mentioned Paul Benish, Lisa Friedenson, the Calavareva, Leah Kaufman, Yosef Lefko, hundreds of people. And and I was I was asking him. I, I mentioned this before when Kavayoch, uh, whether Bojem left you, why didn't right. you leave him? Yeah. Because the question is that. And, and I did it almost as a, as a preparation for the questions that we thought we would get, you know, every hour on a trip. Uh, hey. Here, here's the incredible thing. I, I'm not sure this is a good thing, but I think actually the Matthias Habura, the, the, the relevance, the, the reality that there is a, a, a God in the world is so distant from this young, younger generation in a way, I don't want to say what I, even, they, even people who are observant, so it's often, the version of life, it's not, you know, we do what we do. Right. And people, and people are saying, you know, God's not even in, in it. So they're, they're not asking the question all the time. Yeah. Ritual, so over, think, ritual over relevance. Yeah, and one of the problems that we're dealing with in the full world is yeah. it's just not Russian with the model. So, yeah. so if you've got to see that, you know, you keep, you keep doing, but, but I, I also, one of the, 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 the commitments that we made in, in, in J Roots is, is, uh, we, as I said before, we won't only, you know, grave hop. We, you know, every day starts, you know, we, we start with life and we end with life. And, 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 and that's the, the really the, the, the message. You know, they, they tried to destroy everything. They, they, you know, in Treblinka, you know, the Prochus, you know, the, the, the lag, the cynicism, the, the riches with which they tried to destroy. But then, if you take the very same thing, you know, you go back to Yeshiva's Chachmah Lublin, you go back to, to, you know, the, to, to the, you go out to Krakow and you see, you know, you're dancing in the streets again. And, you know, in, in, in Krakow, you know, so many times for Shabbos, they've got these, you know, little golf carts where 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 the tourists are going around to see what once was, and I feel like uh, I was there. We, we once took a trip. Actually, also in two thousand six, we have Mark Weinberg um, led a trip of sixty eight up on him um, um, to Poland, and it was during the Klezmer Festival where they're like twenty thousand, thirty thousand people in the, in the main square in Kashmir in. in um, in Krakow, and I said to all the rabbonim, you know, they think we're like dodos. You know, we, we were supposed to be extinct. Right. You know, and, and, the, and they thought like we were part of the film set. So, so you know, if it's couched in positivity as opposed to wallowing in despair and negativity, uh, like, like I said, from my my own personal experience of, of kneeling down, not crouching down on the floor, you know, Parshas Bala, two thousand six in London. It, it, it cradling in my arms, two halves of a say, of a burn saber Torah, where, where would I be? But I, I felt, I, I, I just felt an immediate surge of energy as, as I, I'm Kalaviyaka, like we got up again. There, there's something tremendously powerful, if that's the message, but at the same time, I'll say not, not in a trite way, not in a simplistic, I, I, I think for a generation, maybe two generations, we, we, I think, you know, all the Israeli schools, you know, took everybody to to Poland, and the message was never again because now we've got the states of Israel, right? And uh, you know, and every soldier went. That, that's that's it's a silly. It's it's uh, it, it, it you know it's obviously life is more complicated. Well, it's not obvious because that's what many 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 people have done. It, it, the equation is not so simple. Right. But we needs to 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 really um, plummet the depths of Jewish identity and Jewish history. 
and 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 uh, east of Sedes Yaakov or anti-Semitism, whatever you want to. And and, and what? How, how is it? Three three years after they left us, like a a, a pile of bones. You know, Yecheskel, Atichyena, Asomasele. How can these? How can this ever live again? But they, but we did. Incredible. Like, you know, my 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 great aunts and uncles. Parish ashes. My kids, Parish Hashem, it was Zecha. Oyjesh was the king of his kids. Yeladim v'yeladis v'sachakim v'recha v'sal. That's our generation. Right. We are the generation of Nechama. Yep. So, so if if you give that message to people, and then it's a deeper message, and, and a message of achrayas and responsibility and, and and pride in in what we've been through, but but and yet we're still here. Mat mikolo avim. We, and what we need to be in, or like I am, and, and uh, I, I'll tell you something else. If, if I've got uh, one minute, I don't know what our time. You, I'll, I'll share with you one other thing. I spoke at a, at a, at a bus mitzvah a few a few weeks ago uh, of, of a girl whose mother uh, was was carrying her. She was expecting when she came on a, on a trip with us to Auschwitz, and the girl's name was uh, Eliana. She the name of Eliana. You know, Rebecca, my aunt, said our prayers, and it was at the very beginning of the Ukraine the Ukraine war. Her grandparents are survivors. They came, they came from Europe, and I said, I, and I said to her at the beginning when I was speaking, I said I didn't really prepare this, but as I'm standing up, I'm seeing this, this beautiful twelve year old girl, you know, in you know, in front of me, and the parents and the grandparents. The truth is, I, I feel maybe we let you down, you know, for, for two generations, never again. But look, you know, we're, the, the, there's another Russia over there. There's another Russia over there. there, there, there there's a, you know, demagogy and and, 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 and intolerance and, and awful things, awful wishes going on. And, and yet, Claudia Stalin had more, you know, today we have more power, more influence, more network, more resources than ever before, more knowledge. The man of Hussein, what do we, what do we, and, and again, these are parts of the message. We, it, never again isn't enough. Yeah, it's not enough to, to Dublin for Mashiach. Sound like a chabadnik. You've got to do something. <laughs> We've got to, you know, you, you, what, are you, what are you doing uh, for this? And, you know, what, what, we're all survivors. We're all survivors. There's only 14, 15 million of us. And how many of us know, you know, so anybody who does, anybody who does put it in, anybody who has a shop, it's a little shemet. Of, you know, we... we we, we've got to behave in a certain way and talk in a certain way and, and strive in a certain way and instead of getting stuck in, in our dumbness. And, and that's really the challenge and coming back again to the central question, if, if the Shah and visiting you know, these places can wake up that achrayas and that depth of what it is to be a Jew and part of Kali Yisrael and, and, and that we will be bearers of the torch of that Havdalah you know, then, 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 then it's worth it. It's worth all, all the investment. But when the Shoah becomes, you know, there's no business like Shoah business, and it just becomes uh, then, then that's that's such a travesty on on on, on the memory and not just of, of six million, but of everything that, that we are. Rabbi Naftali Schiff is with us. If you have another minute or so, I'd, I'm sure there are people out there who are curious. You mentioned the Ukraine in the context of the story you told do you have a unique perspective on what the ukrainian people are going through now especially in light of their role during world war ii <laughs> so so it's interesting because uh, as as jay roots we we had a we had two or three groups on the ground when the war started 
and um, and people started started contacting us. Can we help with, with refugees from Ukraine? And and Jared like immediately to lead into action to help Jews who are coming over the border, help Jews who are back there, which I think is a very important educational message. That it's all very well to say, you know, never again will we stand by or criticize other people for standing by. Well, if we stand by when other people are suffering, then that's not so. So James has has been very, very active. Sri Sperber, Zach Jaffe, my you know, partners in in James, very, very active with that. I can tell you that one of the survivors I'm working very, very closely with at the moment. At the moment, we've made a movie about him. We're doing something else with him. <laughs> he said, "I just wanted to let you know for the record that the Ukrainians were were the worst, and I've got the Rahmanis of them." I, I, he said, "You could tell everybody that." So I said, "I'm not going to." Um, but but I'll, the third thing that, that I will say is, is really what I alluded to before, and I really, I really mean this very deeply. One of the biggest personal lessons that I have learned from survivors and, and from this journey that I've been on myself and with all these groups is you never know, you, can, you, you, just, you just can't judge, you can't judge other people. And so that, that's what I've learned from survivors, and that's what I've learned that, that, that it's, it's, it's way, understanding these things are. So, so that would, and, and that, so that, would that would include, I apologize for interrupting, but that would include, I can only imagine uh, how many people you know in Poland at this point, uh, Jew and non-Jew. Uh, and with the and and having in mind the role that Poland had in World War II, uh, I can only imagine that you would say you would give a similar response if I asked you about the uh, idea, which became reality, of Poland bringing in millions of refugees to help them and save them when this war began. I, I, yes, I guess my my response is is you know how how have I they've learned. Bit of a lesson, right. and they will take in right. refugees. And but also, just we we can't judge other right. people. You just never know. Right. And, yeah, and and in terms of Ukraine, you know, there 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 are human beings there. There are people suffering. I don't think we should divert all of our efforts to you know in any organisation or any country or any person. But 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 there's a human tragedy going on. There's also a Jewish tragedy going on. Of course, we've got to do everything we can to, to help these people. And and it's sort of above my pay grade to answer whether Ukraine or a German of today is the same as three generations ago. It's like, you know, let's do what we, what we can do. Let's make sure that our kids and our brothers and sisters are educated and are menschlich and are, um, you know, ruplaini kamanoimaso. You know, let's, let's, let's do what we can do and, and rather than play sort of macro global politics. The best way to play those games is, 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 is to educate our people, to stand up you know, tall and proud, not to judge other people, look into their own hearts, reach out to other people, educate in, in a real way, and not in a superficial way. And how do I, we can do that. Uh, pre, yeah. You know, I was going yeah. to say, pre-COVID, this was always a big week for uh, thousands of students to actually be um, mm-hmm. to be in Eastern Europe. Is, is anything happening this year? Do you know what's happening this week sure, in Eastern Europe? I think I think uh, as we speak, I think there's a there's a relatively big march of the living, um, and, and we've had groups. So you know, throughout Ben Osmani, before Pesach, after Pesach, there there, there are groups there. It, it's not it's not uh, you know when, when I mean it's, it's really another subject. But but when we try to water down all of Judaism to be uh, you know simplistic, you know, and and it, if all of that is it's a content of our Jewish identity is. You know, they, they killed six million Jews. Now we've got Israel. Let's be proud and wave the flag. It's not enough, you know. And and so I think the numbers 
are diminishing. I, I think you know even Yad Vashem is focusing more on the on 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 on, on um, the observant community, the 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 from community, because these are the people who, who are connected and who care. I I think we need to ca- care about everybody and, and take care of everybody and, and educate everybody. But but our education needs to be needs to be deeper. It can't just be. Uh, and and by the way, when I, I I'm, I'm not being the Zolzo, you know, waving the flag or or Eretz Israel or Israel. I served in the army myself, and and I'm proud of that. And uh, so I'm not the Zolzo. It's just. Uh, Life is more complicated as as we grow up and as we meet more people, and certainly survivors. And as we have as we have children and grandchildren, and we and we observe how different people cope. You know, during COVID, and there are the givers and the takers, and the and and, and the Netflix people, and 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 the Tehillim people. Life is complicated. You never know what's going on. By so, I, I don't mean there's the 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 crit- I just you know we need to do more than uh, than just light a candle. You know, lighting, lighting candles, for example, you know, in Claudia, so lighting a candle, you know, we like Shabbos candles, we like Hadala candles, we like Hanukkah candles. Uh, you know, we, we can't turn our one act of remembering, uh, you know, six million Jews to lighting a candle. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, the, like, what is Kaddish? Why do people say Kaddish? Why do people die? Whoever they were, we should we, we, There needs to be deeper, deeper questions. Wow. Uh, pretty remarkable the work that you're doing, and uh, it, it must be interesting for you that the um, uh, that the, I mean, I obviously with Yom Hashoah being today, next week being Yom Hazikaron and Yom Atzmut, and again, whatever whatever people do or don't do on these days is not my point. But my point is that there it, it, it's an interesting uh, an interesting phenomenon that all these days come out in the order that they do, um, and, uh, and and so close to each other in the calendar. Does that resonate with you, or or it's just coincidental? <laughs> I should I should add maybe to balance what I said before that we have a son learning in Panovich. So uh, <laughs> well, Panovich doesn't Panovich fly the flag? Yes, yes they do. <laughs> and and the Panovich role, Panovich role, the famous Shiab Bishuv Hashem Shivasien, Hayinu Kacholim, and and uh, he said we've got to dream big, we've got to think big. But he survived, and yeah, he flew the flag. Uh, yes, it, it, it does. It does resonate. It resonates enormously, enormously with me. I, I, but I'm also very sensitive to you know not to right. water down all of the, all the right. Yiddish guide to these three days. Right, um, I, I quite frankly, I said to the others, uh, you know, I, I spend too much of my time. You know, do you say hello? Do you say hello right. with a bracha, half hello? Right. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 so much bigger than that. And, and and we mustn't get caught in in, in the uh, cliches. Right. The, well, we know, we and, we always try to emphasize: do whatever you want. Just at least you know acknowledge that you know something important happened that day. That's all. But uh, yeah, yeah, hundred you know, percent. And that's 100%. and that's a good place to start if people would want to start there. Today is Yom HaShoah. I want to thank Rabbi Naftali Schiff. Rabbi Schiff, this has been an enlightening uh, conversation. Continued to success with all of your incredible work, especially in the area of education, because the uh, look the the Jewish future is one that. Uh, as you described during this conversation, is one that we take very, very seriously, and it's obvious that uh, with the programs that you run, you in fact take it very seriously as well. And I can I wish you continued success with J Roots and with all Thank the you. different Thank efforts you. that you have. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, and, and really a big hatzlocha with you. As Rabbi Sachs said to me, so can you remember your your studio has got to be three times the size, okay? I appreciate that very, very much. <laughs> really important for me to hear that these days, and I appreciate it very much. Rabbi Naftali Schiff, everybody. Jay Roots, and someone who has quite a perspective on the um, role that the Shoah has in Jewish education, and um, 
how meaningful uh, journeys, if they're done in the right way, if they're done in a meaningful and proper way, how meaningful the journeys to Eastern Europe are and uh, can be for uh, for people who want to um, who want to explore our history and who are concerned about the Jewish future. It's Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, and you're listening to JM in the AM. father of blessed memory was holding me in his arms well aware of the impending disaster I could barely hear his words above the sound of blasting shells and gunfire outside our small home my mother and sister had already been killed by the Nazis and we knew it was just a matter of time before we would be Tortured or killed for it. 
Tears before that on Imam, and you're listening to JMNM, our uh, Yom HaShoah Holocaust Remembrance Day program. My thanks to Rabbi Naftali Schiff. That was quite a conversation about his work with the J Roots and his perspective on a day like today. Much appreciated. And uh, earlier, I replayed the interview that I did with Israel Stark from years ago. If you missed that, that was a uh, certainly a worthwhile conversation as well. And uh, I hope you'll have an opportunity to hear it at some point. A um, couple of notes regarding our programming. Uh, first of all, we have a, um, a full schedule today. In fact, let me thank Avrami as I pull up today's full schedule. And um, let every know, everyone know what's going on. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it'll be uh, Charlie Harari focusing on Yom HaShoah and taking a look at the topic of not survivors heroes 
not survivors, heroes. That's Charlie at 9 a.m. Spin class with Michael Fragan with the latest political news coming up at 9.30. Allison Josephs with uh, Lawrence Burian, son of uh, Andrew, the author of A Boy from uh, Bustina, a Holocaust memoir. That's going to be happening at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. At 10.30, Miriam Alwalik with Yummy Schachter previewing Quizreel. That's going to be happening next week on Yom Ha'atzmut to benefit Nefesh Benefesh. Thursday live lunch will be an acapella live lunch with Yassi Zweig, 11 until 1 o'clock, exclusively on the Nahum Siegel Network. Throwback Thursday will be our Yom HaShoah program from 2014. The Arab Shabbos show is brand new with Mark Zamek, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. That happens at 7 p.m. tonight. Tani Talks Parsha, Tani Gutterman at 10 p.m. this evening, a brief discussion about the Torah portion of the week. That's at 10 o'clock tonight on the Nahum Siegel Network. And um, the Arab Shabbos show that Mark Zamek is uh, going to be presenting is going to be replayed at uh, 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. tomorrow. 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. tomorrow. Keep that in mind as you go through your uh, Erev Shabbos with us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Day 12 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Today is... um, Today is a... um, I want to today. I want to remind everybody that uh, one week from today is Quiz Real, uh, with a big thank you to El Al and a big thank you to uh, Turo University and all the different sponsors. Um, Quiz Real will benefit Nefesh Benefesh. It's going to be happening a week from today um, on Thursday night. Yomatz Mo'ot and everybody out there can register with an eighteen dollar donation online right now. If you go to quizreal.com, Q U I Z R A E L dot com. If you're affiliated with a school. If you're a teacher, a student leader, a director of student activities, a principal, uh, make sure your school is involved during the day on Thursday in the elementary school competition and or the high school competition, which will be happening on Thursday, Yom Ha'atzmaut itself. So that's happening Thursday. Go to quizreel.com for information, Q-U-I-Z-R-A-E-L. That's Q-U-I-Z-R-A-E-L.com. Go to quizreel.com and get ready to uh, enjoy a great educational, fun competition uh, that will hopefully enhance everyone's Yom Ha'atzmaut and uh, make it a a very effective program uh, when it comes to to the schools. A lot of people sometimes get frustrated that not every student can be involved in a program, a special program in a school. This one, every single student can be involved, and that's really cool. So check it out online at quizreel.com, Q-U-I-Z-R-A-E-L. More coming up. It's Yom HaShoah. This is JM in the AM. Oh 
They staggered to freedom, more dead than alive. Flesh barely hiding, the bones underneath. Broken and battered, their eyes told the tale of shattered souls, anguish and grief. But then they started selling sugar cubes or anything they could find, making trades, taking chances at unproven skills. Each penny slowly earned, invested and saved, their form of revenge to rebuild. They rose from the ashes and relit their matches to kindle a fire that somehow grew stronger. They suffered in silence, yet lived in defiance, never forgetting their mothers and fathers. Themselves from the dust and build this world they created for us with all that was theirs vanished and gone. Where did they find the will to go Will always remain in 
together with From the Ashes here at JMAM. It's Yom show all morning, and I thank you all for joining us. Very meaningful morning, setting the tone for a day that I hope will uh, inspire people to look back at our history and uh, look toward the future as well. Journeys with From the Ashes. Before that, Imam and done by Dvekas. JM in the AM. Tomorrow morning, we're back. Friday morning broadcast. Make sure to be tuned in. Malcolm Holmline is in Israel. He is expected to join us. It's a little bit iffy, but it does look like his schedule will allow it. So he will um, most likely conduct a weekly update with me tomorrow here at JM in the AM, and he'll be in Israel, which is always an added benefit. Today's day 12 in the counting of the Omer, day number 12, one week and five days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Yom Zikaron coming up Wednesday. Yom Mood is Thursday. Quiz Reel. To benefit Nefesh Benefesh, that competition is Thursday night. For these schools, it's Thursday. Uh, elementary school competition and high school competition, a great worldwide Jewish trivia game. Go to quizreel.com, Q-U-I-Z-R-A-E-L.com, Q-U-I-Z-R-A-E-L.com. Go to quizreel.com with a big thank you to uh, El Al and to uh, Turo University and all the sponsors of that event happening on Thursday. Uh, meaning Thursday of next week. J.M. the AM with more coming up. Here's Advekas.
say or do to make things change. Time has a way of passing by so fast, and like a fleeting shadow, no one will recall the faces of the past. What will become of all the memories? Are they to scatter with the dust in the breeze? Yet one thought gives me comfort. It's all that I have left. Oh, I know that God in Child was born into this world in 1933. A blessing for a Jewish home in Frankfurt, Germany. His father taught him olive base. He learned to read and write. Each night he heard his mother say these words to him. Yosef, my son, the Lord our God is one. God is very near, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, we are the chosen ones. Do not fear; we'll always be together. Joseph was a boy of nine in 1942. He had a secret hiding place, like all young children do. Horrified, he saw them take his mom and dad away. Alone, he heard his mother's final words to him. Joseph, my son. Take some food and run. God is very near, Joseph, my dear. Joseph, my son, we are the chosen one. Do not fear, we'll always be together. Was a lifelong dream come true? He'd made it to Jerusalem, the city of the Jews. He opened up his sitter as he had done each day. He prayed to God for his mother and his father.
thy son. The Lord our God is one. Now come, your mother's here, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, a miracle has been done. From now on, we'll always be together. J.M. in the A.M. I think we've uh, closed out a number of Yom HaShoah programs with that song. Moshe, yes, and Yosef, my son. Memories done by Journeys. Neshamala was from Journeys. Dvekas had you did Nefesh. Uh, Journeys had From the Ashes, which is brand new from Journeys, volume number five. And I want to thank Rabbi Naftali Schiff, who joined us earlier. Uh, I mentioned, um, or we, we alluded to March of the Living, and I just noticed that there is a live broadcast of March of the Living going on. So there is a um, what seems to be a full post-Pesach journey to Eastern Europe and then to Israel going on with the students from around the world. And, um, well, that's good to see, to say the least. Full schedule today, as you would imagine. Uh, Charlie Harari is going to be uh, addressing the issue of uh, Yom HaShoah coming up next, starting at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The... Um, topic officially is not survivors heroes spin class with michael fragan takes a look at the latest political news at 10 a.m it's allison joseph with lawrence burian son of andrew author of a boy from bustina which is a holocaust memoir uh, miriam al with yummy Schachter previewing quiz Real, which takes place a week from today on yamatsmut don't forget to go to quizreel.com q-u-i-z-r-a-e-l.com uh, live lunch with Yossi Zwag. It's an acapella live lunch between 11 and 1. Throwback Thursday goes back to Yom HaShoah 2014. Erev Shabbat Shalom with Mark Zomik is brand new, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, and that's happening at 7 p.m. tonight. It's going to be replayed at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Excuse me, at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, Tani Gutterman with the Tani Talks Parsha. Uh, featuring a brief discussion on the Torah portion. It's going to happen at 10 o'clock tonight after the Erev Shabbos shows. Check that out. That's a new, a relatively new addition to our schedule, and we are happy we could present it to you. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AchimSegal.com, on the AchimSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Appreciate all the app comments and other comments regarding the Yoma Shoah special. I'm glad I'm able to start the morning and uh, conduct these three hours for everybody in a way that is befitting Yoma Shoah. And I thank you all for tuning in. Uh, tomorrow morning we're back. We'll start at 6 a.m. We are expecting to have a weekly update. Malcolm Homelines in Israel. And we are expecting to have a weekly update. We'll update you early in the morning, of course, right here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous, or as good as you can, Thursday on this Yom HaShoah. And until tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.